0: from uh, a bit of Luke and just share something that God's kind of been putting on my heart uh, a bit recently and I think to do with some of what I believe he's calling us to hear as well so I'm just going to read from Luke 15 it says now the tax collectors and notorious and especially wicked sinners were all coming near to Jesus to listen to him start that again now the tax collectors and notorious and especially wicked sinners were all coming near to jesus to listen to him and the pharisees and the scribes kept muttering and indignantly complaining saying this man accepts and receives and welcomes preeminently wicked sinners and eats with them so he told them this parable what man of you if he has a hundred sheep and should lose one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that's lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his own shoulders rejoicing. And when he gets home, he summons together his friends and his neighbours, saying to them, rejoice with me, because I found my sheep which was lost. Thus I tell you, there'll be more joy in heaven over one especially wicked person who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who have no need of repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver drachmas, each one equal to a day's wages, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and look carefully and diligently until she finds it? And when she's found it, she summons her women friends and neighbours, saying, Rejoice with me, for I've found the silver coin which I'd lost." Even so, I tell you, there is joy among and in the presence of the angels of God over one especially wicked person who repents, changes his mind for the better, heartily amending his ways and letting go of the past. Um, and the thing I really just want to draw on this is, it's essentially the first verse. Um which just says that the tax collectors and notorious and especially wicked sinners were all coming near to Jesus to listen to him. And um, the reason that verse is is really personal and quite poignant is that it's always been on my heart for quite a long time that um, to work out how to create church for people who would normally feel the least welcome in church or the least like that's where they would be at home and in this passage we see that that's what happened when jesus was on the earth it was riling the pharisees because it says literally the most wicked people were the ones who were coming the closest to him because they knew that he had something for them and um I've really felt the challenge that God's called us to here at Sanctuary is to work out how we, it's a a weird turn of phrase, but how do we bring the walls down that separate people from the church and more than that, from God's presence? Because that's what really matters. And it works both ways. It's not just about people coming in here, but it's also about how we see ourselves and what we see as church and how that works. Um, Is it all right just to stick up? Um, Yeah, a bit of that passage, that'd be great. Um, If we just flick on to the next bit, that'd be amazing, thank you. And the thing that really strikes me in the parable we've just heard, so this is the parable before the very famous parable of the lost son, uh, which we all know, we often know really well, where the father runs out to greet the son. And it's no coincidence that this is these are two parables just before that. It's it's all the same heart that God's trying to communicate. And there's something about the way Jesus lived that is communicated in these two parables that's really special. And um, I've highlighted that a bit on the screen. But he says which one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness where they are and go after the one that's lost? And I think we kind of get that and we hear that on a one-to-one level. We kind of really understand that parable. But my question is, like, how do we do that as a church? (laughs) What does it look like for us to leave the 99 who already know what church is, feel really comfortable in church and are used to coming to church and what does it look like for us to create a space that's for the one but sadly it's not one, it's like a lot Um, and what strikes me again is that Jesus says this is the place of joy, like this is what we were made for and he says how much do the angels rejoice over that one person coming back and I believe we're, we're made to see this, like, happen all of the time, and it's what happened with Jesus all of the time. <laughs> like everyone that we read about in the New Testament, it was all of those people, all, like a lot, if not all of the time. And um, yeah, uh, I, I really have faith that God's going to teach us how to do that. and. I don't claim to know exactly what that looks like or how that works, but I just wanted to share um, some of the stuff with that. And really, I guess, just ask that God would begin to personally stir in us a sense of what that looks like for each of us. It may not be here, maybe may be here, but what it looks like for us to really um, live our lives in a way that doesn't just conform to what we're used to, because often that's the most comfortable thing, but actually, causes us to be so full of something that the people who would normally feel the most anti-God the most scared or weird about anything to do with Jesus or church, they're the ones who start really leaning in and asking or basically saying you've got something to speak into my life Um, and the, the next section is you just see the same thing happen again it's the loss of a coin and all of the attention goes on finding that one coin and again we see the same pattern of rejoicing so just kind of to to bring that up and looking at this this really led me to basically like why does that why does that happen what was it about Jesus that caused that and I think we see a real clue in the beginning of John which is the reading that we quite often get at Christmas when it talks about um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And there's a section in that. If we could just go to that, possibly that would be fantastic. Um, I think we see a real clue. It's, this, it's really simply the, the idea that Jesus was full of grace and truth. And those two things together, I think are the most incredible combination. And they often seem like opposites. Because grace is the thing that makes people feel like 100% accepted, 100% loved. The first thing they know is that you're for them and they have zero doubt that you are for them. But it's in that place that really like challenging and powerful truth, like actually can hit people. And the funny thing is, I think people are actually really hungry for that challenging truth. But until there's grace, there's not permission for people to hear truth. And Jesus said, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit and he'll lead you into all of that truth. Um, And that's what I'd love for us just to even this evening be saying Jesus can you lead me into more of your grace and truth he's the same today he's the same person today he still is the full picture of grace and truth and at the end of this passage there's the wonderful big word juxtaposition between Moses who was the bearer of the law but grace and truth came through the person of Jesus Christ And it's that same Jesus who is here today, who is, (laughs) I think, really got some special plans for not just those of us who have grown up in church and known that, but for a whole generation. And um, that's the question that really motivates me, is how do we grow something that actually answers the questions that a whole generation is asking? Because I believe in that generation, there's the heartbeat of Father God And people know it, but they just don't quite know what it is. And I think as we begin to communicate and represent who our dad is in heaven, suddenly people's eyes start turning and say, that's what I've been looking for. And um, yeah, if we just move on, that would be fantastic. Um, And so this idea of how do we bring these walls down, there's there's a few things we could talk about but that's just a picture of Zacchaeus but again Jesus was always you know like Zacchaeus jumps down the tree to go and spend time with Jesus and everyone hates Zacchaeus and Jesus got invited to loads of parties by all the people who you know wouldn't necessarily be rocking up at 10 o'clock on uh a Sunday morning or whatever it was then, probably a Saturday Um, and (laughs) there is a really powerful video actually which I've shown here before but uh, for me it contains some of the things that really begin to show us what it means to live life without walls so um, if it's possible, we're just gonna we're gonna have a um, just before we go onto that, we're gonna have a little look at that, and the thing I'd really encourage us to think about when we see this, this this is a video by Fund and it talks about um, what poverty is and how it works, and it's it's really powerful. It's basically addressing it from a financial point of view, but the thing in this video that I think is really beautiful is actually the relational understanding of poverty and how that works. And um, as we watch it, I'd yeah just really love you to think about that. Think about um, how there are walls in our own lives to do with relationships and maybe what God's stirring in us to, to bring some of those down. I love that. Uh, I think it's really powerful. I think it's really amazing. And um, it, even if it's the second or fifth time we've seen it, I still think it really kind of communicates things to us about where do we have walls, where do we, um, without realising it perhaps, have the mindset of us and them or they're not like us or they're not with us or they're not there for us and um i guess what we're really going to try and do with sanctuary which is essentially not just this um place on a sunday evening but it's also for me about um everything we do in this community particularly with uh young professionals and students and particularly that kind of group we really don't want it to be exclusively for that group but um We recognise there's actually a real need to work out how to um, do family and community for that really specific demographic. Because I think it's fair to say there are a lot of people um, in that group who live around here who are really kind of uh, in some ways thriving in life, but in other ways actually really, really lonely. And um, it's my real belief that a lot of people who are working in the industries around here do, as all do, just really have a heart for making this world a better place and that that really reflects God's heart as a father. And so the question for me is how do we begin to do life with people who really wouldn't normally come to church but actually in so doing, it's not like we're doing that stuff just to get them to come to church, but we're just doing that stuff because we love them and there's no agenda. And I believe if we can learn how to do that, that is something that will really speak to people in a powerful way Um, i think that's how we begin to do grace and truth because we're not going to people with truth with an agenda we're going to them with grace and then they lean in and then they find truth and so um over the next few weeks just going to be unpacking a little bit more about how we're going to really try and do that and some of the ways that we'll try and do that um and so that's just i guess a little bit of a a teaser just to, to kind of uh to, to sit people with um to leave people with and if it's all right i'm just going to read actually just to finish up a little bit from a book has anyone here read this it's called heavy rain has anyone read heavy rain um i really recommend it it's got quite a lot of stuff in it but it's it's um basically It's a book about the heavy rain kind of um, being God's heavy rain, being a good thing and him having such a heart for transforming this world and really asking the question, how does the church become God's agent to really powerfully transform this world in every area and in every sphere and across the whole, across the whole globe really. It's, it's a big question. Actually, I'm just going to read you the introduction because I, I love this. I think it's very powerful. Um, in the midst of a very dark period in human history, Jesus Christ had the audacity to teach us a prayer so powerful that it defies human reason. His words spoken against the backdrop of adversity would be forever remembered as the Lord's Prayer. In the midst of Roman oppression, with the reign of Emperor Nero within a stone's throw of history, Jesus turned to his tattered group of spiritual warriors and said, pray that my father's kingdom would come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Was this prayer a sort of wish upon a star intended to be prayed by billions but only to be experienced by a few in some distant eternity? No, I don't think so. I think Jesus actually expected us to believe that we could pull heaven down to earth. And um it's a book that then just unpacks some of this guy's um beliefs about some of the things that are going to change in terms of really kind of facilitating that and how that will work. But um has a wonderful chapter in there where again actually he's talking about tearing down walls and how that works spiritually. And he he says this um in it, he says It's time for the body of Christ to carry the kingdom into the darkest places of society. In the book of Daniel, we see how when God saw that he had four people who could not be polluted by the evil system around them, he needed them, like leaven into dough, into the culture that they were in, by disguising his four superheroes as magicians and conjurers. And today, we are his secret agents, disguised as doctors, housewives, mechanics computer programmers, school teachers, and business managers. We are powerful believers concealed as everyday people, strategically assigned to serve society while simultaneously destroying the works of the devil. Our very lives are a sign and a wonder. Not only do we have the message, but we also are the message. We are the fruit of God's love and the manifestation of his person that same person who is full of grace and truth. And um, it's crazy to think that Jesus came to earth to show us what the Father was like, and then left and said, continue. (laughs) And it's like, that's what we're called to do. And it seems like the most absurd challenge and responsibility, but he said, you can do it. And he said, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And he even said, you will do greater things. And um, yeah, I just think God really wants to stir in us this evening. What does it look like for us to do that? And what does it look like for us to begin to dream about how we're gonna do that? And um, for me, that will look different for each of us. There will be specific things in each of us that will begin to answer that question because it's what God put in each of us when he made us. But the second part of that question is, how do we do it together? Um, we can all live a life pursuing our dreams even our dreams with God but it's a really lonely place if we just do that as individuals and I believe one of the things that's going to mark out God's people is the fact that they're more concerned with each other's dreams and they know how to really like do that stuff together but they're an entirely true expression of who their father made them to be and I guess that's just the that's my vision for this place and that's the thing I want to kind of uh welcome everyone to be a part of and um just to really learn to dream together and to work out how we do that. Um so if that's alright I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pray for us and then um if you're up for it just um great just to finish with a couple of songs, that'll be fab, and then we'll head out for a a barbecue. <laughs> great. Um Jesus, thank you that you really are a twenty four seven God. Um, You didn't intend for us to have any point in the week where we were any more or less connected to you than any other point. And Father, uh, again, we just ask that you would teach us how to carry your presence all of the time and more than that, to know that you are with us all of the time and to remain in the truth of how you see us through (laughs) Father, how you see us through your son all of the time. And we thank you that there's no condemnation in that view. And um, the more and more that we know that that's actually who we are, the more and more that we're empowered to release that joy and that freedom and that grace and that truth to the world around us. So Holy Spirit, would you um, would you come and would you anoint us, not just for now, but Lord, I even pray that um, as you do that, and as you deposit something in us this evening, we would see that really tangibly outworking in our workplaces um, and in the places that we least expect it over the next week. Even Lord, just I really ask we'd have um, stories just of really seeing you do that, even little subtle things that are really personal to us. But we just know um, that you're beginning to really change how we see life with you. And we thank you for that. And again, just ask that over everything that you would remain the main thing. Um, Amen.